You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. So I am absolutely convinced that the worst song ever written is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Anybody else in the room? In fact, my entire Christmas season, the quality of it is determined by how often I have to hear that stupid song. Right? The one that goes, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one. Everybody loves the sound guy right now. It's like Mariah Carey, we get it. You have a five-octave range. We don't need to hear all five octaves at once. And so, yeah, my, my entire December, my Christmas season is determined by whether or not I have to hear the song. And we have an Alexa in our home who thought it would be a really good idea to play this song every day at 6 p.m. on repeat. Every day at 6 p.m. on repeat, Mariah Carey comes busting into our house, divaness and all, singing All I Want for Christmas is You, and all I want to do is throw my Alexa out the window. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, didn't you like try to turn it off? Of course we tried to turn it off, but Alexa has a mind of her own, okay? So we we go into the app, and we think we turn it off, and so we're like, okay, Next day, it's not going to come on, and here we are innocently watching TV or eating dinner, and Mariah Carey comes busting back in our house at 6 p.m. I will tell you this. To this day, Mariah Carey is still playing in our house every day at 6 p.m., and it is March 12. Every single time we think this stupid issue is fixed, we arrive to the next day, and we find ourselves just kind of stuck in the same place that we were before. We thought it was fixed. And yet here we are, arriving the next day at 6 p.m., and every day it's the cycle of the same thing, the same getting stuck with hearing this stupid song over and over again. And as I was thinking about it, that is such a picture of so many of our lives, that we have areas in our lives that we thought we outgrew, where we thought we left behind, only to find ourselves once again stuck in that same place. Have you ever found yourself stuck in the same place you thought you left behind. Maybe you are raising kids, and it doesn't matter if they're young or they're old, but they seem to never outgrow the same issues or the same behavioral problems, right? It's such a human... Amen, all the parents in the room. It is such a human tendency to get stuck in the same place that we thought we outgrew, we thought we escaped from, we thought we'd left behind. Like, maybe for you... Addiction is part of your story. And so you know the pain of relapse, right? Getting stuck in the same place you thought you left behind. I thought I was over this. I thought I was sober, and yet here I am again, stuck in the same place I thought I left behind. Maybe you've gotten baptized here. Maybe you literally can see your name on the front of the tank, and every single time you see your name, you think to yourself, like, man, I still struggle with some of the same sin issues 
that were a part of my life before I got in these waters? Have you ever found yourself stuck in the same place you thought you had left behind? Maybe for you it's, it's health-related. Your cancer went into remission, and then you go for your scans, and it's just recurred again. We all know what this feeling is like to be stuck in the same place that we thought we left behind. And in this series, as we lead up to Easter, we're looking at seven different identities of Jesus from his own mouth, from his own words. And the identity that we're looking at today is for those who find themselves getting stuck in the place they thought they had left behind. In fact, Jesus is for the stuck. And he's for the sinner. He's for the sufferer. Jesus is for the wanderer. He's for the fall flat on your facer, which isn't even a way to say it. He's for the overlooked. The, the specific identity of Jesus that we are looking at today is an identity where he actually shows us how desperately he pursues people who have a tendency to get themselves stuck, which if we're honest with ourselves, is pretty much every single one of us. And so I believe that today, God is going to meet some people in such a real and deep place. We have some people who are, who are scheduled to get baptized here this morning at the end of this service. And that I believe that there's a person or two or maybe three here this morning who was not intending to get baptized, who who came here this morning not with a change of clothes or a plan, and yet I believe this morning that God is going to speak to you and meet you in such a deep way where the, the only response is to say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I want to go public for you. And I wasn't planning on it, but I'm not going to let those things get in the way because, Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And so this morning, that's exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at the good shepherd. And for some of us, the biggest hesitation that would ever cause us or keep us from getting in this tank is that same question. What if I just get stuck again in the same place that I was before? And if that's you, friends, I have good news. Jesus is the good shepherd. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, you guys are also way more awake, by the way, than first service was. To be fair to them, it was like 5 a.m. when they got here with the time change. So, John 10, verse 11 through 15. John 10, verse 11 through 15. These are Jesus' own words, okay? This is what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. So he bails. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Once again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. So Jesus in this moment, is gathering his followers, as he calls them, his own, his, his disciples, and he is saying to them, y'all are sheep, which, if we're honest, like, that's kind of an insult, isn't it? Yes. Who here has ever been around sheep for any period of time? A few of us? Did you know that the scriptures refer to God's people as sheep over 200 times? 
And if you know anything about sheep, like if you've been with sheep before, you know this. If you haven't been with sheep before, you may not, not, you may not know this, but sheep are really, really stupid. <laughs> They're idiots. Like there's no such thing as a wild sheep because they simply cannot survive in the wild. Sheep have a tendency to like run into things. They don't have good sight, like towards what's ahead of them. They have decent peripheral vision, but they can't see at all what's ahead of them. They have no defense mechanisms whatsoever. Their tendency is to fall off cliffs and wander into holes and ditches. Like, they are just really dumb, stupid animals. In fact, like, we literally use sheep as a criticism in our world today, right? Like, anybody who takes the government at its word is a sheep, right? We, like, we use it as a criticism. Yeah, sheeple, exactly. And so it is like borderline offensive that Jesus would call his disciples sheep. In fact, every time I hear Jesus call me a sheep, I, th I think of this video right here. So that's the type of video that actually gets funnier the more you watch it. So I feel like we need to watch it one more time. Are we good with that? <laughs> it's just such confidence that he leaps right back into the ditch. If you want hours of entertainment, just Google sheep falls in ditch and you can just watch this on repeat. <laughs> so sheep are dumb, they're blind to the future, they're prone to fall in holes and walk off cliffs. I don't know about you, but that is a pretty good description of my life when left to my own devices. I am dumb sometimes. Like I just make stupid decisions sometimes. I, I live sometimes with a fear of the future, right? I'm, I'm blind to the future. I have a tendency to get myself stuck, to fall in holes, to wander off. And so when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he is both insulting you and inviting you to be part of his flock. This is exactly why we need a good shepherd. In fact, when the scriptures call us sheep, it is so often associated with our tendency to be stuck or to sin or to suffer or to wander or to be overlooked or to fall flat on our face. Isaiah 53, 6 says it this way. We're all like sheep, all of us, who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says this. When he looked out, when Jesus looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. This is exactly why we need a good shepherd in our lives. Because we as people have a tendency to find ourselves stuck in the same place we thought we had left behind or outgrew or moved past. And here's the thing about sheep. Once a sheep does wander off, once a sheep does get lost... More times than not, the only thing that it can do in those moments is find a bush, hide underneath it, 
and just tremble in fear, waiting for the shepherd to come find it, to the point where it is so paralyzed it can't even walk. The shepherd is everything to the sheep. Everything. He's not just one voice among many that is consulted. He is quite literally their life. The shepherd lives with the sheep. The shepherd sleeps with the sheep. The shepherd does everything for the sheep. He is the sheep's protector, the provider, the physician, the owner, the leader, the guide. The shepherd is everything to the sheep. And when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, what he's doing in this moment is he's connecting himself to the larger story of Scripture. You see, the Old Testament over and over again calls God the good shepherd. It also calls the Messiah the good shepherd, if you read Ezekiel. And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, hey, I'm both. I am God and the Messiah. I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23 One of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He leads me beside quiet. He he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So you relapse. You freeze paralyzed in fear. The bottle or the hit just feels too good, and yet... You got baptized last month, and you can't even show your face in here because you are so so covered in shame, so covered in regret that the church doesn't always feel like a safe place for broken, stuck, hurting, wandering people. And the last thing that you need in the world is simply another religious lecture about how awful you are. What you need is a good shepherd. A good shepherd who will go find you, who will not stop pursuing you, who will relentlessly run after you and carry you home. Your spouse, your boyfriend hit you again. And you don't know what to do. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know who to trust. Trauma says trust no one. Or your wife once again got drunk and threw the brick at you and left a bigger bruise this time. And nobody talks about men getting abused. That's just utterly silence in the church. So you don't know where to go. You don't know who to talk to. And and you think to yourself, like, I'm going to go into church and I'm going to encounter all kinds of church nice people. And the last thing on the planet you need is just church nice well-wishers. What you need is a good shepherd who will use his rod to beat off the wolves and lead you to a place of green pastures and quiet waters and restore your soul. We have a, a group starting here at New Life. And a woman who was here in first service named Orshika, just an incredible woman of God. She's starting a a group for people in our church who have been victims or are survivors of trauma and abuse. And I just, I keep thinking about that group and the words that keep coming to my mind are green pastures, quiet waters, restored souls. Green pastures, quiet waters, restored souls. It is about time the church partners with the good shepherd instead of opposing him. Or what about for you? The cancer came back. You thought you were in remission. And you sit in the chemo chair having those chemicals pumped through your your veins. You, 
You sit in the hospital bed waiting to be rolled in the OR and your entire life is flashing before your eyes. How many more Christmases do I have with my family? Well, I'd be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. Like all of these questions are pulsating through your brain and what you need more than anything else in those moments is a good shepherd who will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and provide hope and presence and his voice of comfort in the midst of the unknown and the fear and the scarcity and the uncertainty. There are some of you who would come up here today and you would get baptized, but you're just terrified that you're going to find yourself stuck in the same place you thought you were left behind or outgrew. That is why we need a good shepherd. And can I let you in on a secret? If you are terrified of what might come next or getting stuck once again or sinning or suffering once again after you get in this tank and get baptized, I want to let you in on something. You will. You will get stuck again. You will sin again. You will suffer. You will wander. You will fall flat on your face. You will feel overlooked from time to time. You will. I, I do sometimes. I feel that same way. But it's not so much what got you stuck that Jesus seems to be concerned about. What he seems to be concerned about is what voice you are listening to after you get yourself stuck. That is the role of the good shepherd. That when we wander off, when we get ourselves stuck, when we sin, when we suffer, that we know our shepherd's voice. As he said, I know my own and my own know me. This is the good shepherd. And so reading on in this passage, Jesus said something else really, really important that I want to I fixate on for just a moment here. In verses 12 through 14, this is what Jesus says. We already read these, but we're going to reread them again. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. It's a nice way of saying he rips them to shreds. <laughs> he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Church, unless we learn how to hear the voice of Jesus in our lives... The temptation is always going to be putting our hope in hired hands. Jesus distinguishes between hired hands and the good shepherd. Unless we follow Jesus as the good shepherd, we will either try to find this kind of shepherding, this kind of care through someone else, through a relationship that seems to make it all right. We'll put our hope in hired hands or you'll try to be the shepherd for your own life. And let's be honest, we are dumb and blind to the future and have a propensity to get stuck in holes and ditches. So a question worth considering this morning is, where have I placed my hope in hired hands? Where have I placed my hope? Where have I listened to the voice of hired hands in my life? I think there's a lot of ways that we do this. For some of us, it's placing our hope in a political movement that's just a hired hand. Doesn't really care about you all that much. Or maybe it's a self-help program. Or maybe it's even a pastor. Right? There's a lot of people that have navigated church hurt in the past. And all church hurt is, is pastors and leaders getting in the way of the voice of the good shepherd and taking on the role of hired hand. Making it about themselves. 
building up their own thing, their own agenda, their own kingdom. I am not the good shepherd. My, this church and, and my role, more than anything else, is to help you more clearly hear the voice of the good shepherd in your life. Amen. Right? The word pastor literally means shepherd, but I am an under-shepherd of the good shepherd. That's my only role, is sometimes just to get out of the way and say, this is the voice of Jesus. This is the voice of the enemy. Right? Even before Jesus goes into this, he says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Yes. You know, I have a, a mentor, Brian Bloom, who often says, pastoring sometimes is just disappointing people at a rate they can reasonably handle. <laughs> Just such a good definition. And so I find myself not asking people when I meet them what they do or how long they've been coming. I just say, hey, have I personally disappointed you yet? Because I'll get around to it. I think the point is we have a culture that has placed hired hands on such a high pedestal. And I've said this often. My goal is to just kick my own pedestal as much as I can and allow Jesus to be on the pedestal because he is the good shepherd. And the moment I get in the way of you hearing his voice, I'm just a hired hand. So why does this matter so much that we know this? Why does it matter so much that we actually know the voice of the Good Shepherd? Well, there's a book that I, I read this past year. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. And I just, one of my favorite books I've read this last year because it so beautifully paints the picture of who Jesus is as Good Shepherd nervous I'm going to throw this thing in the water. Um, and in it, he, he says something about Jesus as a good shepherd that is so striking to me, but I think it's so important that we understand this and we grasp this. This is what he says. He says, we cannot present a reason for Christ to finally close off his heart to his own sheep. In other words, his heart is relentlessly pursuing his sheep. No such reason exists. Every human friend has a limit. If we offend enough, if a relationship gets damaged enough, if we betray enough times, we are cast out. The walls go up. But with Christ, our sins and our weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him. Amen. In other words, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the defining marker of a sheep their only chance of survival is that the sheep know their shepherd's voice. They know the sound of their shepherd's voice from every other voice, every hired hand voice, every distractor, every other shepherd out there. They know the voice of their shepherd. It is their only chance of survival. And who needs the voice of the good shepherd more than anybody else? Those who get stuck. The sinner, the sufferer the wanderer, the fall flat on your face, or the overlooked, those are the people that need the voice of the good shepherd because when we inevitably wander off, we need a good shepherd who will bring us home. Jesus says, I am the kind of shepherd who will die for his sheep. And the reason they follow me is because they know my voice. I want to take you back to the mid-1930s uh, during some Palestinian riots, there was a, a small village that was condemned. And all of the livestock and all of the property was taken from these villagers and kind of stored in the army and the guards, with the guards. 
And as part of the, the kind of peace tree, the, the resolution to war, uh, these villagers were invited to come purchase their livestock back from the guards. Seems super fair, right? And so this young shepherd boy who had six sheep gathers up all the money that he can. I mean, his sheep were everything to him. They were his livelihood. They were how he survived. And he gathers up every dime, every, probably not a dime because it's not here in America, but every amount of money that he can to go buy his sheep back. And he arrives to the guards and he says, I am here, here's my money to buy my six sheep back. And the guards laughed at him. And they said, dude, we have a pen of hundreds of sheep back here. Good luck. And what does this shepherd boy do? He calls his sheep and one by one, his six come out to him because the sheep know their shepherd's voice. They know the voice of their shepherd. They know the difference between the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you found yourself stuck in a place you thought you left behind? Can I just encourage you? He is a good shepherd. He's good at this. You and I, we're not so good at this. We're dumb, stupid, blind sheep. How's that for an insult on Sunday morning? It is his goodness, his ability to lead, his compassion, his mercy, his steadfast love. He is a good shepherd. We are sheep. We can hardly see straight. We are kind of dumb and we get ourselves stuck. This is not that complicated. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus did in himself what we could not do for ourselves. So take great comfort in knowing that you're dumb and stupid and we're all sheep. And that's going to be my next tattoo. I am a dumb, stupid, blind sheep. (laughs) But I know the voice of my shepherd. And I know that is a voice worth trusting. And I know that when I wander off, when I get stuck, when I fall flat on my face that he is a voice that can be trusted. He is a voice that can be trusted so that I actually don't need to wander off as much. I don't need to get stuck as much because I know my home is with him and I know his voice and I trust it and it's safe and it's a place of refuge. Don't put your hope in hired hands. Put your hope in the voice of the good shepherd. I remember... uh, the first time that I, I was in college, I believe at the time, that I got really, really drunk. And I was underage. I was still living at home. And I'll never forget this night. I went over to a coworker's house, and I didn't know this coworker all too well. And I had way too much to drink that night. And to the point where I passed out, which like for me was like one shot. But <laughs> I passed out on his, on his recliner. And I just remember like waking up in the middle of the night, just vomiting everywhere, like all over, disgusting, gross mess. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought to myself, man, what am I doing? I need to get home. And so in the middle of the night, I picked myself up, I drive myself home, probably shouldn't have driven, and I arrive to my doorstep and I am just terrified that I'm going to get caught. So I slowly tiptoe and I sneak downstairs into my bedroom, hoping I'm not going to get caught. And I want you to imagine in this moment, smell of vomit covering me, 
walk of shame, all of it. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is there sitting on my bed. What does Jesus say in that moment? What does he say in our worst moments? What does he say in the moments that we find ourselves getting stuck or unable to move? See, how you answer that question tells you if you really believe Jesus is a good shepherd. How you answer that question, what does Jesus say to me in my worst moment? What does Jesus say in the moments where I find myself stuck in a place that I thought I had left behind? If we take God at his word, we know the voice of the good shepherd in these moments. See, the voice of the good shepherd in our worst moments looks like Jesus in Matthew 9 who looks out over the crowds and he sees their lostness. And the text says that he is moved in the deepest parts of him with compassion. Gut-level compassion. Gut, like in the most deep, I can't even get with language to the deepness that Jesus is moved with compassion in this moment because he sees people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His response to us in our worst moments is one of deep, guttural, compassionate mercy, and he sends his disciples out in that moment to teach, to heal, and to extend mercy to those lost and wandering sheep. But not only that, we also know that the good shepherd The good shepherd will leave the 99 of his flock and go search for the one who is hiding under a bush, paralyzed, unable to move. And he will scoop that sheep up, vomit covered and all. And he will carry them home because his pursuit of his sheep is relentless. People say I have an issue with this, or people say they have an issue with the song Reckless Love and the theology of it. I think reckless is the perfect description of the way the Good Shepherd pursues and loves us. He will put his own life on the line at risk for the sake of pursuing his sheep. When I think about Jesus scooping up his kids, scooping up his sheep and leading us home, I think that is the very heart of what it means to repent. That we are stuck, paralyzed in our own sin, paralyzed in our own shame, paralyzed in our own junk, and Jesus just comes up to us and says, I know, I know what you did, but instead of heaping on shame, repentance is just his invitation to say, will you come home with a good shepherd? Will you come with the flock? Will you come back home? And for those who are willing, he scoops us up and he just walks us home where it's safe, where there's refuge, where his compassionate mercy is on display. Not only that, I imagine next Jesus sitting there in my bedroom and saying, I'm going to put on a a pot of coffee and cook you some breakfast. Because that's what he did for Peter after the night of Peter's greatest shame and regret. One of his closest followers denied him, denied ever knowing him. And it's on a beach with Peter in John 21 where Jesus is face to face with Peter in his vomit covered moment. I don't think there was vomit involved, but in his worst moment of shame. And what is the question Jesus asked Peter? Do you love me? Notice he doesn't ask Peter, do I love you? Because that's not negotiable. He just died on a cross, okay? Like, his love is on display. But he asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. 
And what does the good shepherd say? Then feed my lambs. He once again appeals to his identity as the good shepherd in Peter's moment of greatest shame and greatest regret. And he actually says to Peter, your mistake, your misstep doesn't even disqualify you from being used by me. That is the heart of the good shepherd, my friends. But even more than any of that, I want to take us back to John 10, 11 as we close this morning. This is what the good shepherd does. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, Jesus doesn't simply just coddle us in our vomit and carry us home. He trades his very life for ours. He shows us who he is by laying down his life for our sins and missteps and all-around dumbness as sheep. When the sheep are faced with the dangers of our own sin and our own wandering and our own stupidity, Jesus is the good shepherd who comes and says, I will lay my life down for these sheep, my life for theirs. I will do for them what they cannot do for themselves. See, friends, when when you come to this tank, that is all you're admitting, is that Jesus has done for me what I cannot do for myself. That there's no amount of cleaning myself up, no amount of getting my act together, no amount of trying to impress him. We are all like sheep who have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of every single one of us. That's the gospel that you don't bring anything to the table. You don't bring anything impressive to this equation. You are a sheep, and the only hope that you have in this world is to learn the voice of your good shepherd and put everything you have in him. There are some of you here today who have never trusted in Jesus because you are paralyzed with the fear of, what if I just get stuck again? What if I just sin again? What if I keep suffering? What if life doesn't get any easier? And you haven't heard his voice in your life yet. So that's all I want to close with today is just asking you this question. Do you know the voice of the good shepherd in your life? Do you know the voice of the good shepherd in your life? Not just God's will that you can kind of know which is the right decision to make. That is part of it. But do you know this kind of love in your life? You know, maybe the only love you've known is love that's let you down or abandoned or been twisted and distorted and abused. You know his voice. A kind of love that will pursue you whatever it takes, whatever the cost, who will never stop running after you. Do you know his voice in your life? In your worst moments, in your most desperate, in your most uncertain moments, do you know his voice? A voice that says, just come home. Just return to me. I know you're trapped again. I'll pick you up. I know you tripped again. I'll help you. I know you're stuck. I'll free you. I know you can't walk on your own. I'll carry you. I know you're in danger. I'll lead you to green pastures and quiet waters and restored soul. 
This is the promise, my friends, of the good shepherd when we listen to his voice, his love, his pursuit of us in our lives. So maybe you're here today and you have not yet heard that voice. And yet he's gently tapping you and saying, will you listen? Will you listen? Will you come be one of my sheep? Will you come to my flock where it is safe and there is refuge and there is hope and there is solidarity knowing everyone around you is a dumb sheep too? Will you listen to my voice? If God is tapping you on the shoulder here this morning, I want to just encourage you and I want to challenge you in something here. We're going to sing a song and uh, we're going to have members of our prayer team right up here. And if you, Jesus is just calling you saying, I, I am your good shepherd. You have not heard my voice, but I want you to hear it. I want you to give my life to you. I want you to become one of my sheep. If, if that's you here today, please do me a favor and don't leave without coming up and praying with a member of our prayer team during this service. And then I challenge you, take it one step further. Take the step to get baptized today. Take the step to get in this tank and to declare that you belong to the good shepherd, that you are his and he is yours. Don't worry, we got clothes you can change into. We got all of that stuff. We'll figure that part out. But if God is calling you, if, if you are just hearing a nudge of his voice, don't ignore that. Come forward, pray with our prayer team, and get baptized. So with that being said, as, as we close and as we sing, I, don't, I want to invite everybody who signed up to get baptized and those who are not signed up but feeling the nudge to get baptized to meet us over here during this song. And if you want to trust in Jesus, our prayer team would love love to pray with you. And then let's celebrate baptism together. Sound good? Awesome. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd for the stuck, the sinner, the sufferer, the wanderer, the overlooked, the fall flat on your face. Or Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And we confess to you that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. We've all done our own thing. We've all wound up in a ditch from time to time. But Jesus, it is by faith that we confess that you are relentless in pursuit of your sheep. So we repent of our sins. And in that process, we learn to trust your voice more. We learn to trust your voice as, as the place of our greatest refuge and our greatest safety. Jesus, may we hear your voice in our lives. May we set aside the voices of hired hands, the voices of people who have come along in your name but have more than anything else just abused your name. Jesus, we want you. We want the real you. We don't want a counterfeit. We don't want a hired hand. We want the voice of the good shepherd in our lives. So this morning, we trust that voice. As a church, we are led by that voice. Jesus, we give it all to you. In your name we pray. Amen.